Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Season Amateurs Podcast. Uh, this is Ty hosting this week. I'm here with uh, Josh, Dylan, and Chris, and we're going to do a little fun stuff today with the AFC South. Um, I'm kind of curious with this one, uh, but I'm going to start with Josh. Give me your give me your ranking from four to one. So from four to one, I would say obviously with the condition that Deshaun Watson is not playing for the Houston Texans, um, the argument could be made that they're going to be fourth even if he's playing. But without him playing, I think they're probably the worst team in the NFL. So Houston Texans will be fourth. After that, I think it's pretty interesting uh, looking at the teams. There, there's a lot of flexibility. I know a lot of you guys see a clear top two, a clear bottom two, but as we go on, I can probably tell you why you're wrong, but I'm still going to go ahead and put Jacksonville Jaguars as third. I'm expecting a few of you to make them a distant third, and you're wrong. I don't think they're a distant third. They've made a lot of improvements, but honestly, I've got some questions about Urban Meyer as coach, so Jacksonville third. I'm going to go Tennessee Titans number two, and then the Indianapolis Colts number one. All right. All right. I, I, mine is a little different, but not, you know, it's, I don't have it as a distant third for Jacksonville, but I, I, I can see it. Uh, Dylan, let's see what you got. All right. Well, I'm going to use some of my time to quickly give my FC West from last week. Cause I wasn't here. Uh, I had, I, I'm just not even going to explain. I had not Kansas city, the Chargers. I was leading a youth summer camp, so get off me. Uh, then I had the Broncos and the Raiders. Uh, but I agree with Josh. Um, it depends on – what do you classify as a distant third for Jacksonville? Three games. Ooh. I don't know. See, I just – Because, I like, I'm games. projecting Tennessee to be nine and eight. I have them second. Like, I mean, I'm exactly what you have, and I'm projecting Jacksonville to win five or six games. I, I think they could get to seven. Yeah, I I have them. I have Jacksonville being seven and ten. I have Jacksonville on my on my on my notes right now five and twelve. But I could see them six and eleven, like something around there. Uh, but yeah, I think I completely agree with you. I think I think Houston is probably the worst team in the NFL if they don't have Deshaun. They're barely not the worst team in the NFL with Deshaun. All right, uh, all right. So I know I know Chris has got some uh, differences on this one. So Chris, what you got? I think Chris is I actually, I actually don't have differences. Um, I thought with all the hype you guys have been given the Titans with Ryan Tannenhill and everyone that you guys would have them at number one. That's why I thought there was going to oh, be. Oh. Um, I think the Texans, um, you know, they're, they're horrible. So they're going to be last. They'll be lucky to win three games and that's all there is to it. The team is, doo-doo with or without Watson I would choose them dead last um third I have the Jaguars because I mean I think was it Josh I think it was Josh who said about Urban Meyer being their coach I think there's a lot to be I I don't think it was a good hire I don't like Urban Meyer as a head coach personally he's already made some questionable hires some questionable pickups um so I think yeah, that, that's what I, <laughs> I I would list that as questionable. But I have them at third. I have them maybe winning five, six games max. And then Titans are going to be second. 
but I think it's going to be by more than three games from third. So I'm expecting them to have a 10-win season. And then I think the Colts are going to win the division. I think with the addition of Carson Wentz and them getting quitty pay at the pick that they did to add to that defense, I think it's just a dangerous team with a young run game, pretty good targets at wide receiver and Carson Wentz, and a great O-line. So I agree with you guys. Um, I got Indy number one, Tennessee number two. Even though, you know, Julio went there, I don't think their defense is really good enough to actually – their offense is okay. I think putting the ball on Tannehill is going to be a problem for them. You know, Derrick Henry's still going to run the ball. Um, But when it comes to that play action running, you know, Tannehill's got to hit his marks easily or else this team doesn't do what they need to do. Um, I have Indy as number one, Tennessee number two, Jacksonville number three. And I agree with the the hiring of Urban Meyer, but this team as as a team has great potential. And I think even though Urban Meyer as the head coach is going to, uh, I'll get to that when we get to our, our, our pros and cons on these. Um, but I do agree with everybody. I think we all have the same, you know, Indy, Tennessee, Jacksonville, Houston. So, um, Dylan, what's the strength and weakness for Indy? Uh, I think Indy's strength, uh, is literally, and this isn't to say Carson Wentz isn't a strength, but I think it's everything around Carson Wentz. Like, they have every, I don't, to me, the weakness, I don't see a whole lot of weaknesses in their team. Um, they don't have, I mean, I guess the only weakness I would say would be, like, they don't have a top-tier elite number one wide receiver. Um, but I think they expect, um, like, I, I, I was listening to a podcast two weeks, three weeks ago uh, with the, uh, Chris Ballard on it and he was saying that they expect Pittman to make that leap potentially this year to be maybe that number one elite number one but I don't think they need it because a lot of their team is already solid I think they have put together um, a lot of talent around them um, around on every single level uh, defensively offensively Um, I mean they have a they have Jonathan Taylor, who I think is going to be really good. I think they just put together a really solid team. Like Chris said, I like Quiddy Pay getting added, but defensively, yeah, I mean, yeah, I just there's not a hole. Like every level has at least one or two guys that I really like. Like I mean, you got DeForest Buckner and, and potentially Quiddy Pay on the line, Darius Leonard, Bobby Okarike, I like a lot. Kerry Willis, Julian Blackman, Rocky Sin. Like you have a lot of guys on that defense that I, I really like. Uh, and then offensively, you got Quentin Nelson, who's a human pancake, like pancake maker. Uh, like, yeah, you just got a lot of really solid talent on that team. All right. Uh, Chris, what do you got? Where are we just talking about? A, are we just, talking about oh, I, I want strength? strength. I want a strength and a weakness each. Okay. So one of each. I'm going to start with the weakness. Okay. And I, this is weird because like Dylan said, I don't think they have many weaknesses. But I do think one thing that hurt them last year is their coach. I like their coach. So I'm going to call a part of him a weakness. He, To me, their weakness is they don't let their young players make mistakes. Um, like we saw that last year with Jonathan Taylor. He struggled a game or two, and he got pulled, and they went to a completely split backfield. And when they went back to Jonathan Taylor, he tore it up at the end of the year. Um, so – 
similar to last week when I talked about one of the strengths of the Chiefs being that their coach trusts them to make plays. I think it's the opposite of the Colts. And, yeah, so I think that's their weakness. Their strength is everything. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't – on paper, this to me, this is easily the best team in the AFC on paper as far as just most complete. Um, but, I mean, I, I have to go with Cleveland? The, I think Cleveland could See, be the think, potentially the most complete team in the NFL. I don't agree because I mean, <clears throat> I'm not going to try to. I'm not trying to get a sidetracked. I was just uh, I know. every time. Every time Cleveland gets the hype, I wasn't just, on the podcast for this. It, they fall through, and their defense is just not well conditioned. They have a lot of big names, but I've never seen a defense get as gassed as the Browns do, and they just look uh, pitiful towards the end of games. And I think that's a huge weakness for them. But I don't, I don't see that with the Colts. And they, uh, they, yeah. have an offense, they have an offense that can sustain drives. They control the line. Their defense is fresh because they have a great O-line, Jonathan Taylor. And Carson Wentz, if, if he can limit the turnovers, I think this could be an easily, easily a Super Bowl team coming out of the AFC. I agree with that. I mean, okay, I'll get with mine in in a second. Josh, what you got for your strength and weakness for Indy? Yeah, I mean, starting with weakness, it's hard to find a weakness on this team. Um, Yeah, I mean, a few question marks. Like, I really like Pay, but is he going to produce as a rookie on the D-line? I don't know that there there could be a question there. Honestly, I look some at, like, the the wide receiver or pass-catching core, I should say. Because you've got T.Y. Hilton, who's old and has been hurt some. You've got Michael Pittman, who is young and still somewhat unproven. You have Paris Campbell, who was hurt most of last year. And then you have Jack Doyle at tight end, who was hurt a lot of last year. I think And Trey Burton. What? Trey Burton as well. Um, he's, a good, he's a good tight end, sorry. Yeah, yeah. but you've got, you've got a lot of question marks here of injury um you know ty hilton being old you know again we're looking at a very strong team so finding a weakness can be difficult but i think there could be the question there of what happens if hilton and campbell go out again you know like where is that going you know i i think that's just a a bit of a question um and compared to a few of the other wide receiver core even within the division you know that might be considered a weakness, although I think that's because wide receivers' strength for some of these other teams. Well, so I, I, I just have this question because that's you know the wide receiver core has been brought up twice now here as a weakness possibility. I just have the question of is Carson Wentz gonna be able to? He loved tight end. He loved his tight end. You know, with Ertz, he didn't really hit the wide receivers. Now, granted, he didn't have wide receivers a lot in Philly. Is he looking for the short game more so than he would be looking for the long game? I mean, he's got a good deep ball. Uh, he's, I mean, he had Zach Ertz. I mean, there's still a possibility Philly could or Indy could trade for Zach Ertz uh, and, and pair him back up. But I think they have good tight ends to to do what they need to. But I think Pittman, I wouldn't say he's the best receiver Quince has had. Alshon Jeffrey at his peak was really good, but. Uh, and he's had some other guys, but Pittman's one of the best receivers he's had as a pro. I think pro. what Dylan just alluded to there, in Philly, he had Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz, 
Who did right. he have as wide receivers? Well, that's what I'm saying. Nelson can't catch the ball till he goes to the Raiders. Aguilar. Um, Deshaun hurts my hamstring every game. Jackson. Like, he didn't really have reliable wide receivers. So I don't know if the, the passing game was as much due to the, the – small the- it may is it his preference to throw to the tight end or is it the tight ends will actually catch the ball and produce and so he well he, he he got sacked over 50 i was to say it was at the offensive line that he had to just throw short because of it too well, okay i still think the lack of talent in wide receiver from the time he started there to now was terrible well, always I'm, I'm saying it is because you guys just said it again alshon jeffrey nelson aguilar always hurt always this, and we just said it T.Y. Hilton always hurt. Paris Campbell got hurt. If, if it continues to go, he's in the same boat with his wide receivers, and Jack Doyle is nowhere near Ertz caliber at that time, at this I time. Think, I think he's got I think he's got a lot more around him than Philly had. Philly's line is question, questionable. They Miles Sanders was always hurt, and they didn't have a whole lot of depth behind him at running back. But you have Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Himes, Wilkes, or what yeah, Wilk, whatever his name is. Uh, then you have, I mean, you don't have a star receiver, but you have a depth at receiver. You, you I agree. Have, you have, you have okay. a lot more options than they ever did. In I agree with that. I just, I mean, I see Chris chomping like, at the bit like he wanted to say something. But... Literally in 2019, his number one receiver was a former quarterback. Yeah. Literally a former quarterback was his number one receiver in 2019. Like, that's ridiculous. I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't see the targets as an issue at all. I mean, they have three good tight ends. They have Trey Burton, Mo Ali Cox. Don't forget him. He was one of the better receiving tight ends last year. And Jack Doyle. And then they have they have Marcus Johnson, who played really well last year when players were dealing with injury, young player. Michael and they got Michael Pimmon and a great receiving back in Naeem Hines. So I don't I don't think it's an issue at all I with thought, weapons. I thought Trey Burton was off like he's a free agent right now, I thought. He might be. I was to say because I'm looking. I mean, I'm looking right now at ESPN on on their roster, and for tight end, it's Jack Doyle. I got Jack Doyle, Mo, Mo Ali Cox, Kyle Granson, Farad I think, Green. I think Doyle's still a free agent. I don't think they've decided on whether or not they want to sign him. Either so, way, Mo Ali Cox is a Mo Ali Cox is a really good receiver. He, he, okay, I'll give you that. Yeah. All right. So moving on. Moving on. So. Uh, Josh, give me a strength and weakness for Tennessee. Yeah, so Tennessee, um, like the strength, I think, is their their offense, largely. Um, Tannehill, in many metrics, was a top-five quarterback last year. Um, he, he gets criminally underrated, in my opinion. Um, yeah, he just – you look at all of his stats, he hasn't had to throw quite as much because they run so much, but he is very efficient, high Q, top five QBR, top five, um, I think, completion percent, like he, good numbers from Ryan Tannehill. Derrick Henry's a beast, and then A.J. Brown and Julio Jones is elite. You lost some of your tight end depth with Jonu Smith leaving, but still, you know, adding Julio Jones and A.J. Brown is an absolute beast. So I think that's an... That is a strength, but my weakness would be twofold. One is their depth because you look at all those guys I just mentioned, but if any of them get hurt, they are in a lot of trouble. But then I think their biggest def- their biggest weakness is their defense. 
Um, they signed Bud Dupree, who should help some, but their pass rush was not good last year. Their coverage was not good last year. And I don't know that they made enough steps to improve their defense this year. Okay. Chris, what you got? I mean, I pretty much agree with Josh. Their their whole offense, they complement each other well. I'm curious to see how well Julio Jones meshes. Um, I'm, I I hope he does well. I think we might. Is that because you? Oh, wait, you know, you traded him. I was about to say because he was on your fantasy team, but then I realized you tra- you traded him. Oh, and I know, and I know Julio Jones isn't as selfish of a player as Odell, mm-hmm. but I would keep I would keep an eye out of the Titans trying to force Julio the ball just because they have him and kind of get out of their offense with Derrick Henry and AJ Brown. Um, like I, I said, I, I don't, I don't see that as likely as with Odell because Julio Jones isn't, isn't a diva. So I don't expect that from Julio, but is it a possibility that it's going to take some time to work him in or possibly be okay with not using him? I don't know. Right. Um, their weakness is definitely their defense. They didn't make many improvements. They signed a couple corners or drafted, not signed. They drafted a couple corners. Caleb Farley, um, he has question marks with injuries. And, I mean, their defense is just, what, three years ago, they were one of the best. And they've just been on a downward slope. And I think it's just continuing to go down. So I think their whole defense is the big weakness. Okay. Uh, all right. Dylan, what do you got? Um, I mean, I, I agree with uh, Josh that Tannehill slept on hugely as a as a quarterback. Uh, I think, Chris, your misconception for us thinking we were going to put Tennessee up there was that we defend Ryan Tannehill a lot. That doesn't mean the whole team is good. It's well, just Tannehill's not, Tannehill is Tannehill, good. Tannehill's not good. Oh, my gosh. I'm not having this he, argument with you. He, he's, uh, he's, a, he's, he's a 15 through 20 quarterback in the NFL. That's, yeah, that's definitely what all of these statistics say. Yeah, and I'm oh, pretty wait. positive no, he they threw don't. for more yards, about the same touchdowns, less interceptions than Lamar Jackson. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I I have never said Lamar had a good passing game last year. I'm I'm just saying you you, show, you 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 say Lamar's a, a good quarterback, but then you you disrespect Tannehill. So Tannehill wait. was number four in QBR and number five in the rating. I, I have a really good idea. Let's take the first four seasons of Tannenhill and Lamar and compare them and see who comes out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't do that with Miami. I mean, Tannenhill and Miami was just horrible. He that was Gase. coaching. That he was coaching. All right, you put Adam Gase with, with Lamar. We're, we're going to go. All right. Sorry. Uh, but Overrated. My, my, yeah, Lamar is. Uh, my uh, my weakness is I think the – the, I mean, it's the defense, but specifically I'm going to put it on Mike Grable because he's supposed to be a defensive guy, and since he's got to Tennessee, their offense has been better than their defense. I was uh, actually going to go there. Yeah. And I think it's because they don't have any – they have good pass rush. Harold Landry, Jeffrey Simmons, I like both of those guys. Uh, they, they pressure the quarterback. Their sack numbers, I think sacks are misleading, just like wins for a quarterback can be misleading. Um, and so, but their pressure numbers are, are really good. They get a lot of pressure, but their defense, they, they're very bland in their defense. Their defensive backs, like Chris alluded to, like there's just, they released a bunch of them, didn't re-sign them, and then got a lot of older guys and then drafted guys with huge question marks that they're banking on. And I just, that's not a, a great way to run your team. Now, if Farley hits, that would be huge. But right. the question is, can he stay healthy? 
That is a good question for him. I, I mean, I will agree with as a strength, uh, their offensive whole offensive, like their starting offense is great. Um, they do not. I, I agree with Josh as, as their depth isn't the greatest, but their offensive line is great. Their offensive firepower with AJ Brown, Julio Jones. Yes. I still love Julio Jones, even though he's not on my team anymore. Um, but I think the one good thing, like what Chris was saying, you know, they trying to force feed Julio. I think it could help in a sense. Cause it, if you, try to make uh, Julio the, the the key, then it pushes away from making A.J. Brown look even better. He can build himself to be a better, you know, he's going to learn just like what Ridley did with Julio, and it's just going to make him better. And then that way you can, you've got two very powerhouse wide receivers in that team. When I say powerhouse, I mean big-bodied, can break tackles, can still move fast, all that kind of stuff. All right, moving on. Um, oh, what's up, Chris? No, you're good. I, I was just going to say, like uh, like I said, I expect them to play well together, but I, there is an off chance that there might be a force feed. Right, I agree, I agree. All right, moving on. Uh, Jacksonville. Dylan, who do you have as a strength and weakness for Jacksonville? Sorry, I was on mute. Yeah. Uh, strength is obviously Trevor Lawrence. Um, I, they drafted, as many say, one of the best quarterback prospects to, to come out of the college football. Uh, I think he's going to add a lot to their team. He's got a good arm, good accuracy. He adds a lot of value with his legs. He's, I can say this with 100% confidence. Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback Jacksonville has ever had in their entire history, their short history. Uh, but he is the best quarterback they have ever had. Um, but their weakness is obviously what can this coaching staff do? I like Daryl Bevel as an OC, but can Urban Meyer what, – what's Urban Meyer going to do um, with this team, specifically the offense? But my other weakness I, – I know I'm doing too – is just their defensive health. Every year, I feel like all of their solid players, Miles Jack, Josh Allen, last year, C.J. Henderson, all of those guys get hurt every year. I feel like every – like C.J. Henderson, if you guys remember, for the first two or three weeks, everyone was, like, freaking out about how – like, he was shutting down elite-level wide receivers as a rookie, and then he got hurt. Like, I just – I feel like their injuries always happen on their defensive side of the football, and it's always to their key players on that side. But I do like some of the pieces they brought in. It's a little interesting and kind of like an odd mix of guys on defense. Like, I mm. mean, uh, Shaq Griffin, Sidney Jones, Andre Sisco, they drafted out of Syracuse. Um, it's an odd mix. I'm interested to see how it meshes, if it does. But, yeah, their their weaknesses are Urban Meyer, potentially, and I think the the health on the defensive side. Okay, Chris, who you, I, I saw you kind of shaking your head there, so I, I'm just kind of curious what you okay. want to say here. He disagreed that Trevor was the – I, 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 I disagree kind of sort of with that too, but that's just because he hasn't really done anything in the NFL yet. So, Well, yeah, just based on walking in, he is the best quarterback they've ever seen. So we Mark Rennell who took him to the – Mark Rennell who took him to the AFC Championship is He's nothing? Nowhere, I mean, you can make the same argument about Blake Bortles. Are we going to do that? I mean, I'm yeah, I'm down. Silence, silence. Blake, Blake. I don't know. Blake Bortles Blake. proven more than Lawrence has in the NFL. <laughs> okay, getting off here. Let's. <laughs> All right, Chris. Um, so you guys have strength and a weakness here. Oh, I mean, their strength. Uh, I like the running backs. Um, Etienne and Robinson. 
Yeah, I think it's a good combo. I think they did Robinson dirty after he put up a really good rookie year to go out and grab a grab Travis Etienne. I know it's good for Trevor Lawrence, and I know that's why they did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I still hate it. James Robinson's a good running back, and he's about yeah. to get screwed out of a starting spot. Um, yeah. But, you know, they're. I'm just trying to – their roster is their strength. I mean, I think Dylan hit the nail on the head with their weakness of just being healthy. Um, they have a really – if you actually, like, look at their defense and took away injuries, they actually have a lot of very good players on the defensive end. Yeah. Um, which shouldn't which shouldn't be a surprise because just two or three years ago they were one of the best defenses, um, but yeah, I mean I'd have to go. Their their running backs to me is a strength. I mean, there's a part of me that wants to say Trevor Lawrence, but he hasn't proven anything yet, so I'll hold off. I hope he does a while. I like Trevor Lawrence, um, and to me their weakness is just going to be their coaching. I really just don't like the hire of urban Meyer. I don't think he's going to pan out well. And once he, he might get one year leeway for having a young team, but they'll have a new coach in Trevor Lawrence's third year. Okay. I'll, I'll save my hold on that one. Uh, Josh, what do you got? Yeah. So I think, I mean, I agree with both of the guys defense, you know, they've got really strong cornerbacks if they're healthy with CJ Henderson and Shaquille Griffin. I like their their linebackers slash pass rush with Miles Jack, Clavon Chason, and Josh Allen. Um, but then, like, yeah, just their offensive skill positions. Trevor Lawrence's quarterback, Etienne and Robinson at running back. DJ Chark, Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chenault, and Colin Johnson, wide receivers. Like, they've got a lot of really intriguing options there. Um, I agree. I don't think I would have drafted Etienne where they drafted him. But – you look and you say you've got Robinson and ETN. Robinson more of the hammer, and then ETN is more of the lightning. Like, man, yo, that's uh, an interesting pairing there, and they just have a lot of skill there. So I'm pretty intrigued by their offense. Okay. Josh, does, light, does lightning come before thunder or after? Actually, actually Dylan, could you? I said yeah. hammer. So yeah, I, I, I know. I know. Um, so – I will agree with. I was like, well, what's a good one for running another running back? So I just switched over to Lightning. Um, oh, then, uh, the thing with the weaknesses, it's the coaching. I don't like Urban Meyer. I don't think he's going to work out that well. Yeah, I I would agree with uh, with everything on that. What you just said with you know, Etienne and Robinson as a one-two punch does really help with the you know taking some pressure off Trevor Lawrence, especially as a rookie. Um, bringing in someone like Marvin Jones to help kind of. Anchor that receiving core helps uh, again. You're just building around a young quarterback that has great potential. Um, defensively, they look strong. They look like if they can stay healthy, like Dylan said, they look strong. Um, weakness is, I, I, yeah, I think we all agree. It's, it's their coaching. Um, I think whoever comes in after Urban Meyer and takes, you know, control of what this team could really be will make this team a better team. Um, I don't think Urban Myers knows what to do. I think he's – I hate to say this. He's going to be the the prototypical college guy who thinks he can go pro. College coach that thinks he goes pro and doesn't do it. He'll be back on Fox or Sports or ESPN analyzing college football games very soon. Um, I can say right. it's time for Houston. They all suck, 
and there is no strength. Facts. Okay, so here's my one thing with Houston. Unless Deshaun Watson comes. Here's my one thing with Houston. I feel bad for Tyron Taylor. He hasn't caught a break in his whole NFL career. As soon as he started doing good in Buffalo, he got hurt. And then they drafted Josh Allen, and boom, he's done. They go to he goes to San Diego or he well I'm sorry Stop. L A he he goes to L A, boom, Herbert, no boom stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel bad for the man. All right, so with that, I think we're good with our AFC talk, our AFC South talk, and that actually wraps up the AFC for us. So we'll be starting on the NFC, which uh, for. For, for me and Dylan, we'll, we'll, we'll be good very soon. We'll be loving, loving it, loving this podcast. We'll be having a half hour, 45 minutes just on our on our AFC South, our NFC South, I should say. So 44 on the Bucks. Yeah. So let's just put, take a pause real quick, and we'll be right back. We'll talk about some uh, NBA action here. Welcome back, guys. And uh, as you guys heard, the soothing voice of Josh Birch, we're going to keep going now. We're going to switch over to the NBA and uh, talk about the finals for us that it ended yesterday. But when you hear this, it'll be two days now. But uh, figure we'll start with uh, the, the 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 fan of the Phoenix Suns who is feeling pretty good right now, for, honestly. Chris, uh, what are your takes out of these finals? I have a few takes. Um, if you guys remember – probably a lot of podcast episodes ago, we had to select a player who had the most to gain from these playoffs and the most to lose from these playoffs. And I chose Giannis Antetokounmpo for both. And he decided to take the road of proving himself. He had a heck of a, he had a heck of a playoffs. I mean, he played his best in the finals, which to me, even speaks louder that he played his best basketball on the biggest stage of the playoffs. Um, Giannis played great. I mean, I and I also said from the start in the same episode, I said the thing that would hurt the Suns is big physical play. I said if Anthony Davis was playing, the Lakers would make the finals. Anthony Davis got hurt. The Suns made it past him. We got to the next most physical person, Giannis. And... Well, we saw Giannis just handle the Suns. I mean, the Suns' lack of size, their lack of experience showed. Um, do the Suns have a brighter future than the Bucks? Duh. Yes. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm happy for the Bucks. I was talking to Josh yesterday. I said if the Suns lost to the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals, I would probably be livid till next season. But we lost to the Bucks, a team that built built their team from the draft, built around Giannis, stuck with it, um, went through a lot of frustrating playoff losses, and getting eliminated, and they stuck through and they won the championship. So I'm I'm happy for Giannis, I'm happy for the Bucks. They earned it. I still don't think they're the better team. I think they wanted it the most, though. Yeah, I, I yeah I agree. They wanted it more. Um, Dylan, I saw some smirking over there. Uh, uh, I'm gonna let you uh, intervene. What you have that little smile for? No, I agree. I just thought I just thought of something in my head. I'm not gonna say it though. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think Giannis, uh, yeah, Giannis deserved it. Uh, they, he dominated uh, this series, and especially coming out of 
the Eastern Conference Finals when it looked like he completely blew out his knee. Uh, like he he, I said in maybe like three weeks ago before the playoffs started or before the uh, finals started that I, I picked the Suns in five, but a healthy Giannis would push him six or seven. I still picked the Suns in six or seven. But a healthy Giannis just proved to be too much because they played, like Chris said, way too physical for Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix doesn't have much depth at size. Uh, I mean, they have Kaminsky, but he's not a physical guy at all. He's a he's a three. He's a he, he likes to stay out behind the line. But like I told y'all in the our group chat yesterday, Phoenix just tried to get too cute. Like they they dominated the first two games. Like they came out and just handed it to. Milwaukee in the first two games and then I think they tried to get too cute I thought they were I think they thought that they were going to walk it in on Milwaukee and they started chucking up tons of threes uh they started trying to do unnecessary things leading to turnovers I mean last night I mentioned in the group chat when it happened uh they had a fast break two on one uh and they tried to or with uh, I think Giannis chasing and they tried to throw it alley and Devin Booker missed it because it was it was like they had an easy just pass to a layup and they tried to alley-oop dunk it when they were down. And I'm like, it's just unnecessary. Uh, and so I think they tried to get too cute, tried to do too much, too much. And Phoenix or Milwaukee knew who they were. They stuck to it. They played physical. They played hard. They dominated the offensive glass, dominated it. And that's, I think, what led them to, be, to being the NBA champion. Well, it, it doesn't help that our backup center tore his ACL in game one. Do I think it would have changed the outcome? I don't know, because Dario Saric isn't very much of an opposing person altogether. He's not really um, physical. He's a better Kaminsky. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah he's, a slight, he's a slightly more physical Frank Kaminsky, yeah. Well, what do you got? Anything, Josh, on that? You're, you're kind of – Yeah, no, I think um... – I think like Giannis really, he deserved the MVP because of his performance last night. And I think Giannis really showed more skill last night than I've seen most of, honestly, most of his career. Like you go back to what James Harden said, was it last year about like basically saying that all Giannis does is runs and dunks and not really knowing basketball or developing those skills. And I I think there was some truth to that. A lot of Giannis's game was predicated off of his physicality. You know, he he's the Greek freak for a reason. Like the dude has physical abilities most humans don't have, as well as being what, 6'11 and having a seven foot something wingspan. Um and that was the, even the whole thing of he had to stop taking threes. He had to not be as much of a jump shot guy, and he had to be more. He had to be more of a Shaq than a Kobe, right? right. Uh, but last night, last night his jump shot looked a lot better. And then let's not overlook the free throws. <laughs> like they they won by seven points. Okay, Giannis shot seventeen for nineteen from the line. Like that is an incredible percentage for Giannis. To only miss two, two out of 19. Like if you told me he shot three out of six, I would say, okay, I could believe that. You know, maybe like five out of seven. You know, if you told me he he only missed two free throws, I would have thought he shot somewhere from five to eight free throws. But missing two free throws out of 19 is incredible. 
Uh, and, and, you know, is it going to be consistent? I don't know. But if he works, you know, we say the same thing about Ben Simmons. Physical specimens, ridiculous guys. But will they put in the work to develop those other aspects of their game? Because you have a guy like KD who's big, but he's a shooter. You know, you have LeBron who is a beast, but it can also shoot. If Giannis develops not even necessarily a three-pointer, but a, a jump shot from a little farther back, the Bucks might have a better future than what Chris is assuming. Well, I'm not saying I'm not saying the Bucks don't have a bright future. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the Suns. I, I don't think there's a team in the NBA who has a brighter future than the Suns, and it just comes from their youth, their coaching. I mean, they have they have cap room to play with after this year too. So there's just a lot of pieces falling in line for them. But I, I will say this: I think what it was funny was Josh. You just said that Giannis was. 17 of 19 from the free throw line. Is that what you said, right? Yes. The Buck are the Suns as a team was 16 of 19. Yeah, and I think that gets to two aspects. One is the style of play. Yeah. Giannis forces contact. And in today's NBA, any contact they're calling that. And then also some of the MVP calls that Chris has alluded to. You know, I think. I think Giannis got a few calls that Frank Kaminsky wasn't going to get. But I also understand that Giannis is probably going to get a few calls that Frank Kaminsky is not going right, to get. Right, right. So, well, I, just, so. I just have a hard time when you're as – the thing that gets me is when you're as – you play as physical as Giannis does on both ends of the court and, and average one or two fouls a game. I get more irritated with the contact that he gets away with rather than what contact he gets. Okay. I, I do want to pr- ask this question. Maybe this is too much and too off topic and too controversial. Uh, with Giannis winning this, does this make him currently the best player in the NBA? No. 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 I don't so it wasn't really that controversial there. Yeah. Um. I think he's a dominant player. I think it puts him in a – it brings him up, but I don't think he's the best. Well, I like think if you – question. How many times – Just like if you win, you're the best. How many times well, throughout the NBA playoffs did the best player change? It was – yeah. It – yeah. Like when – and Several different people, depending on who was still in and then who had the best game most recently. Well, that's why I said it's a Max Kellerman question. I heard him like two years ago literally say Katie or Giannis was number one, Kawhi was number three, and two days later, Kawhi was number one, and Giannis was like four or five in like two days. The reason the reason I say no with confidence is that, yes, Giannis looked great in the finals, but Giannis isn't going to face a team as small as the Suns every game. Right. I think if the Suns if the Suns had another seven footer or even like a a stronger six ten power forward, the series is completely different. I mean, you you look at Giannis against when like a Joel Embiid is in the game, like an actual like strong like de- Phoenix has a lot of good fast defenders, like wing defenders. We do not have interior defense. Does DeAndre and get blocks? He does. But he's not as physical as he needs to be. He well, he needs to limit his foul so he can be physical. Period. 
but <clears throat> I feel like if Giannis plays a team with a good interior defense, Middleton's the best player on the team. Okay, I, I'll say with that one. Now, here's my question. Chris, you said that, you know, they're a young team. They have that build. They're going to be better for the Phoenix Suns. With teams like the Lakers, like you said earlier, without, you know, without play, AD playing, and who knows what they're going to do in this offseason. You know, teams like, uh, well, I'll just go with the Lakers right now because that's the most physical really in, in, in that but teams like Denver, who are you know had some injuries, Utah, who's getting better. Does Phoenix have to wait more time now to get back to the finals? No, hundred percent no. Especially if we like Dylan made a really good point before the podcast started. Lonzo Ball joining the Suns, and if we add a physical rebounder or a physical rebounder, we're back in the finals. Like, our only weakness is our interior defense against the big players. And, I mean, that that's all it is. Like, when I said we weren't going to make the finals, it was because of Anthony Davis. But I think one thing that was great about this finals is it exposed this super team era of, look, you can't just bring players to your team and expect them to have great chemistry and hope that, you build a super team of injured players and expect them to not get injured. Um, <clears throat> it was refreshing to see. We got to see the Hawks. We got to see the Hawks and the Bucks play for the Eastern Conference Finals. Both teams built their teams. Um, Phoenix beat the Clippers. It was without Kawhi Leonard. But, I mean, you can't pick up a superstar player that's missed a bunch of games and then complain when he misses a bunch of games on the next team. Um, it's a stupid argument um, because every season could be changed by potential injuries, but you can't get rid of injuries. It's just, it's sports. Okay. All right. Dylan, I got a question for you here with the Milwaukee Bucks winning a championship and the free agencies coming up. Does that entice somebody that they could be a powerhouse now? Uh, I think their win and kind of like the area that Chris was talking about, about super teams, I think it entices someone, especially in the social media era. I, I mean, people still like big markets, but I don't think the big market is as necessary uh, with guys. I mean, guys don't even live in their town during the off season. They go to LA, they go to New York. That's when you do all your marketing stuff anyways. Um, and so I don't think the market makes that big of a deal. Now, I think if they want to add another big-name player, they're probably going to have to do it via trade. But I think they, they can entice some higher-level rotational players that otherwise might have gone to a team like L.A. or, or Brooklyn or something. I think they can entice some higher-level rotational players, which I think they need. Like, I don't think they need another star. Um, they just need guys who are going to do the job that they're assigned. And They and need, they need consistent – They need consistent yeah. – But, like, like – Josh has alluded to like Dante DiVincenzo, who's a key to their team was out for the entirety of the playoffs. Right. Uh, like, I think he's a good, a good piece, but like, could you add a better center than Brooke Lopez? Probably. And maybe move Brooke to the bench. Uh, but like, it just kind of depends on what they want to do. I don't know if they can get a star. I also don't know if they, 
have the money for a star because they Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Giannis are all on I think max deals. Yeah, so I don't think they have enough money for a star so, unless they're going to ship one of those guys out. Uh, but I think they can entice some higher level rotational free agents than I think they could have done in the past. Had they okay, done. all right. So Josh, I last one for you here before we get out of here with the draft coming up. You know, now that you've seen a lot of holes in the teams, you know, the playoffs, you want to have, you know, the, like, teams are looking for that next player. In this draft, who helps the team become that next tier already? So of players coming out in the draft? Mm-hmm. I know I threw this off because it really wasn't on our topic schedule, but. Yeah, I mean, okay, so you've got like a guy like Cade Cunningham at the top of the draft. You've got a few guys coming out, but honestly, I don't see, I don't really see any of these rookies as a instant difference maker. Um, oh, oh, I guess I wouldn't say difference maker. I'm saying just to help pull that team into as a as a role. So, again, like, okay, even even for that. Yo, know, mm-hmm. are you going to take, you know, even a, okay, a Jalen Suggs, you know, the last time we saw him, he was, you know, playing really well with Gonzaga until they lost. Um, but man, like I look at like any of these guys and I don't know that any of these guys coming in, there aren't a lot of guys who I see even taking like a strong role player position. Um, any more there aren't two you have your occasional zions or something but that's why i'm looking at some of these teams you know i'm honestly the thing i'm looking towards most with the draft coming up is a team like the warriors and who do the warriors try to target with their draft picks or use their draft picks in a trade that that's what i mean um who do they try to target in terms of what nba proven player do they go for because okay. it seems okay, yeah, if you can draft the right rookie on a rookie deal, it's gonna be great. But man, like I'm more wondering, okay, who are they going to use? What, like the sixth or seventh pick, whatever it is they have? Um they have six and, and fourteen, I think. Six, six and fourteen. And, and James Wiseman to go get a Damian Lillard or maybe somebody lesser than that. But a lot of these top teams, I don't see them making a, a big difference. Not like, and that makes me think like star, but even like key role player, I don't see them finding a key role player in the draft. I see them targeting a key role player in free agency or through a trade. Do you think the the cancellation of March madness is kind of what killed all the anticipation for this draft? Oh, for yes. What do you mean? March madness happened March madness this year. No, no. We had March Madness, but I'm saying there wasn't like a big. Yeah, it wasn't. It, was it like, didn't excite everybody like it usually does. There it was wasn't completely overshadowed. Yeah, I, I think there wasn't a like a clean cut. You know, like when Steph Curry was at Davidson and he just made a name for himself in March Madness. There wasn't that this year. I mean, Jalen Suggs. <laughs> I mean, but still, like you hear Jay like. For the casuals, people wouldn't know who Jalen Suggs is. 
That's their problem. Not <laughs> but, but that's what I'm saying. But like, I mean, like what Josh was alluding to, like some drafts, you have the Zions, the R, like RJ Barrett. When Lonzo Ball was coming into the draft, he was a huge name. Yeah. There's, there's no one even close to that pedigree coming out of this draft. I mean, I think Cunningham could make an impact depending on where he goes. Uh, well, could. the team's gonna the team's gonna suck, but he might ball. To <laughs> say if he goes to Detroit, he's I feel bad for him. So, but this ends this ends this week's podcast. You guys, please comment, like, share, talk to us, please. We like to have interactions. Um, tell us why you know we're wrong on the AFC South. Tell us why we you know we had some kind of arguments here with uh, well. All our stuff, we usually argue on something. Somebody disagrees with something on it. So we'll talk to you guys next week.